0: I had a moment like that yesterday. Lori and I have been uh, working a little extra hard lately, and uh, so I worked early in the morning and got done early enough that we could go out to breakfast. So we go, it turns out breakfast is her favorite meal to go out for. You know, dinner's too much pressure and you can be disappointed with what you get, but it's really hard to mess up eggs and hash browns, you know? and so we've really been having a good time on Saturday mornings. We're driving up to Elmer's, and she was just appreciative of me working beforehand. So she goes, you know, I just, yeah, I know you're not into words of affirmation that much, but I just want to say, you're like a Proverbs 31 woman. (laughs) Oh, great. Okay. I feel so uplifted. Thank you, hon. Proverbs. And then uh, this morning, I I get into the lobby, and everyone's kind of having a good time, and uh, I see Eunice. I go, Eunice, your hair, it looks beautiful. And she's like, oh, thank you, I got it cut yesterday. I went to the women's group, and nobody mentioned it. So, I'm more, I'm more in touch with my feminine side than our women's ministry. What the heck? What is that about? Oh. <laughs> it's just not right, really. Oh. And don't you love it when... Areas of your life all begin to come together and align. And you realize God has been in control. He's deposited deposited this. He created that. He had this other um, conversation, you know, stored up for you with someone else. And all of a sudden, things get clearer. I've been in a very unique season of things really getting focused, really getting more clear. And to be honest, I feel like I have an old life message that is now becoming a new life message. Probably for the rest of my life, this is an unshakable awareness that I am coming into. And it was very profound to me. The worship was perfect for what God had put on my heart several weeks ago. Miko's comment about being childlike and just the Lord really wanting and loving that in our lives, and so this wasn't even, in part of my message originally but it is now so and it's a really good theme for what i feel the lord's put on my heart so uh, let's go ahead and open in prayer and we're going to walk through a passage of uh, scripture together and just see what the holy spirit's going to do and i have faith god's going to just do a profound work in each one of our hearts as we um, open ourselves up to have ears to hear and eyes to see everything he's doing so father we just Thank you, thank you, thank you for your unrelenting love, your pursuit of each one of our hearts. God, that you were not satisfied to be separated from us. You came up with a plan to reconcile all of us back to your Father heart, to know that we are secure, we are beloved, and we are always in your presence, and you're always there to empower us to love the way you love, to speak truth the way you speak truth. Lord, I just thank you for what you're going to do today. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. So I I did want to start this way. Um, You know, I'm no longer senior pastor, so I can finally tell all of you what I really think about you. And you know what I see? I see extraordinary people with a love for God, a passion for each other. I see a purpose and a plan that you're allowing God to expand in each of your hearts to be a walking demonstration of his love here on the earth. Honestly, every single one of you, the ones I've known more than half of my life and the ones who are new today, God's purpose for your life is so much greater, amen, than anything you can even hope or imagine. And he is committed to be faithful, to bring to completion that good work that he's doing in each of us to be a unique expression of the love of God here on the earth. That's what I see. And uh, it's not flattery. It just is becoming an increasing reality for me. So the verse that blows my mind after everything Nico shared, um, it's Romans eight fifteen. for you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again. But you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God, deeply loved, secure, and able to just live and abide in his presence and in his love, and then be little epicenters, earthquakes on the earth of his love touching others. So there is an amazing process going on in each of our lives, and um, I've been reflecting, Miko and I had a talk this last week, and, and it was really good, I, and I don't know if I talk about it too much, but I've been in ministry now about 40 years, and we have gone through some extraordinary times, and the post-COVID church is very different than beforehand. And the Lord allowed things to just come and shake each one of our lives, our security, our finances, our health, our dependence, our friendships, our quarantining, I mean, our children. Have you ever gone through a season of such shaking? And for the church, I think primarily two things were revealed And I want to say this the right way, but when we went to virtual church and when uh, our contact had to be more limited, I feel like one thing that happened is the church got shaken from people who were cultural Christians. I go to church on Sunday morning because that's where my friends are and we hang out and and that's just what we do and I go to church. But if people weren't going to church because they are committed and passionate to come to know God more, and to come to know each other more. If you're not here for God doing an amazing work in your life, then when you had a chance to take a break and have virtual church, then a lot of people, most churches, about 40%, didn't return back to the church. And I'm not saying this is the case for everybody, but in some cases, maybe many cases, they were more cultural Christians instead of the committed Christians who are going to, I'm going to endure whatever comes my way. I'm walking with God. I'm trusting God. I'm growing in God. I'm loving others more. I want to be a lifelong learner about a walk of faith. And that's what I see in this room. You've all made it through that time. You've all been purified. You've been refined. Your hunger for God is indisputable. Amen? Yeah, and we gather together to continue to experience in worship and in God's Word and in our fellowship, just God doing a marvelous and eternal work in each and every one of our lives. But another thing that got shaken through that pandemic was for years, I've heard at pastor's conferences in Bethel, everywhere, myself included, we've got to be thinking about the church outside of the walls, right? And yet we keep gathering together in here and having firework shows in the sanctuary, you know. And we expect people to come here instead of take His presence and His word out there. And so, I, I, for me, I, I I was blind. I mean, I I no, I believe in. I'm, i I want to share, and I want. I remember two three years ago, I was obsessed. I'm still obsessed with God. I want to see Holy Spirit empowered encounters, right? I. And then he told me, okay, great, that's, that desire's for me, that's good. And you know where you're going to see him? Where? You're going to see him out, out of the church. It's like, God, no! I want Holy Spirit-empowered encounters with people I already feel safe and comfortable with. You know? And that's the revelation that God is giving me right now. That he is shaking his people into a really, really good new fresh work. And so what we're going to do is walk through 2 Corinthians 5, 16 through 21. And I don't always do this, but I feel today especially, what I want to do is I'm going to read the whole passage. You can follow along if you want. And then we're just going to go through sort of verse by verse and point by point. But for me, the post-COVID church, this now has a profound relevance impact priority and importance in my life like never before so 2 corinthians 5:16 therefore from now on we recognize no one according to the flesh that is amazing if you only see people from god's perspective you're going to like what you see people are not going to be scary you're not going to be offended you're not going to be frightened You don't judge people according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him in this way no longer. How many of you know that people can know about God and not know God? They don't know his goodness, they don't know his voice, they don't know. They can spout off verse after verse, but if their heart isn't truly believing and connected to God, They're walking in their own flesh, in their own power, in their own soul. That's all we knew, in our own thoughts. But we don't walk that way any longer. He now has put his spirit abiding and residing in each and every one. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, if you're in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. Who you thought you were, who other people said you were, your failures, your past, your weaknesses, your shame, that is not who you are. Those things have been put under the blood. They have passed away. You're somebody new with really an unlimited potential. And then this, now all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation once God reconciles you you hear Abba father in your heart crying daddy and you know your father wants to be with you he's proud of you he wants to pick you up when you need comfort he wants to give you wisdom when you're confused when you have an Abba father Abba father in your head is one thing Abba father in your heart is something entirely else is that true I said I was going to read through this, so I'm starting to editorialize. I'll reel myself in. All these things are from God who reconciled, uh, gave us a ministry of reconciliation. Namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, not looking at their sin, and has committed us to the word of reconciliation. Therefore, We all are ambassadors for Christ. As though Christ, uh, as though God uh, were making an appeal through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Everything that we do, from the beginning of our life to the end of our life, the ministry that we have experienced and are growing in is being reconciled back to a perfect genuine real relationship with a loving father there are no stepkids in the kingdom there are just beloved sons and daughters in whom the father is already well pleased amen so i thought you know what this this is an old message because it dawned on me isn't it strange how things come together anybody know the name of my book reconciled it's like what the heck, you know? And uh, and so I wanted. Uh, I was going to ask if anyone doesn't have their own personal copy, and then whoever was the youngest, I was going to give the book to. And uh, so now I look out over the congregation. It's really easy. Lindsay, you win. You you get a copy of the book. Lori, would you give it to her? Yeah. How? Yeah. Oh. So I'm actually. I'm not going back to old things. I feel like I'm moving now into something new. And fresh, sometimes, isn't that funny, that 18-inch journey? The things that you know in your head are so different at times than the things you believe in your heart. Proverbs 27.3, what does it say? As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. We live in a rational, analytical, scientific method kind of society that elevates knowledge. But knowledge alone can puff up. But also, knowledge alone doesn't change who you are and what you do. It's what you believe in that deeper part. When you really are convinced, you hear the word of God. God speaks to you, breathes on you off of the pages of his book, and you go, that's true. Then your heart begins to align. I want what God wants. I want to see things the way God sees them, and this is the primary, safest, objective way of experiencing that. The last two weeks, it's occurred to me, Miko and Alyssa, read your Bibles. It's almost like you just want to beg people, you know, because there's so much life. But not studying the Bible like it's a commentary or it's, you know, a history book, it's the Word of God that he breathes upon and speaks and applies into each of our hearts and lives individually. Ah, oh. oh. Okay, we're just warming up. This is getting exciting. I'm happy now. Just want to let you know. So... I have been um, unrelenting a little bit. Another area of alignment for me. I know this sounds so crazy. I've been uh, involved in pastoral care most of my life and full-time for many, many years. And I've wanted to see people's lives improve. I wanted marriages to get healthier. I wanted parents to love their kids the way God wants to love them and see families become strong and stable and vital. It's, worth, it's been worth it to me to invest money and time and energy and effort and prayer and passion into those areas, right? And yet, at times, I felt so stuck, like, but how do people really change? And, you know, we have cognitive therapy. We have all these different kinds of ministries. We did RTF. We do all these things. But it finally is occurring to me. If you want to see people walk in the freedom that Jesus died to win for them and then not just be forgiven but then be made whole it starts with hearing god's voice in his word and the encounters that we have with him so when you know um, i'll make this very short i was working with a woman who had been abused terribly by her mother uh, forced into prostitution broken marriages broken careers her life getting overwhelmed wave after wave of just shame and guilt and trauma and so we were meeting and uh, I finally just like you know I can't give this woman advice she does not need just a verse she you know she doesn't need a platitude so we waited on the Lord and uh, the Lord took her to the the key memory of that pain and that shame that experience in her life and then while we were in that safe place just in his presence all the lord said to her was it's not your fault that's all she heard but did pastor charlie say it was not her fault god said it was not your fault and for her well then this shame it's that's not mine i'm not less than i'm still she my mom didn't see a defect in me and that's why she did what she did to me right guys when you go deep and believe your behavior changes you don't have to change from the outside i'm gonna be such a good christian everyone's gonna love me you're gonna be a nasty christian that no one's gonna want to be around if you're gonna do it in your own strength the only way it works is in that connection of being reconciled with the Father heart of God and never letting the enemy or another person bring an accusation that would make you question his goodness and his love and his presence in your life. That's what the enemy is after, isn't it? Hmm. I know. I'm really encouraged. I'm glad you're all here today, but I'm preaching to myself really more than anything. Oh. So the old has passed away and the new has come. If if you're a believer, if you understand the fundamental gospel that you are reconciled back to your father because of the sacrifice Jesus made for you personally, then if you died today, you get hit by the pie wagon out there, what's going to happen? The very next moment, you're going to be the unique expression of God's righteousness here on the earth. You're going to live in the, the place that you were created to live, sinless and beloved and loving, and you're going to be radiating the very glory of God because he's going to be with you and residing in you, right? I mean, sinless. Can you? How many of you have that hope? God, I'm looking so forward to being who i'm going to be in eternity and that no one can take that away that is your reality that is your destiny that is where you're going and everything that we do here is playing catch up coming into alignment into agreement with the reality that already exists over your life if you die today that's it baby you're going to heaven you're who you're created to be right so let it be here on earth as you already are in heaven don't set your mind on things below Don't be thinking about the flesh. Set your heart where your heart already is, in heaven, seated in those places with him. And I'm beginning to realize how you live that, how you experience that, is continually letting God work out that reconciled relationship. And by the way, it is your reality right now, but it also is a process of every area of your life coming into agreement, being reconciled back to your father's perspective and, and saying, yes, I see it that way too now, and that's the thing I desire. Can, can you it, it is a, it can. You get reconciled when you have that encounter with God and you pray that sinner's prayer, but it's an ongoing work that he's doing in us, and I wanted more of that work every day of my life to get into that freedom, into that place that he died for me, to be reconciled so I want to say this um, boy let this let this sink in if you can the one who knows you best loves you most you have nothing to hide there's no room for shame or embarrassment God knows everything you're, you're not living a lie you're not putting on a facade you're not pretending to be something He knows exactly who and what. Is it hard for you to love yourself at times? Then you have to realize, but I'm already dearly beloved by God. And so I want to share, I've got two experiences I'm going to share, and I'm going to give you an opportunity to really open your heart, have a prophetic act to really let God move you deeper into that place of hearing Abba Father in your heart. And so as many of you know, Um, I'm just going to share a quick thing from my testimony and the words that set my heart, began a process of setting my heart free. Uh, My dad died when I was five, and I only have one memory of him, and my mother committed suicide when I was 12. So I am actually an orphan. And uh, as a 12-year-old boy, not knowing how to cope with the loss of my mother, I had a belief, an inner vow. I'm not really an orphan. I have a brother and sister. I never lived in... Uh, con- uh, uh, foster care. I never lived in an orphanage, so I'm not, not really an orphan. And then, uh, but because of that, I was very guarded. I kept people at arm's length. Honestly, I, almost, I don't know how conscious the decision was, but it, you, know, you can lose anybody at any time. So my brother Phil, if he dies, I still have to survive. I've got to go on. So if you protect yourself, if you guard, keep people at a little... Has anyone ever played that game, trying to keep people at arm's length? Well, that was my whole life, and then I I met my uh, wife in college, and I had to confront whether I was going to keep people at arm's length, or I was going to let somebody in, take that risk again. And so I cried off and on for three hours, making a deliberate intention, am I really going to risk losing somebody that I I care that much about? But I decided I'm not going to live this life of loneliness, you know, any longer, and so I opened my heart, I let somebody in, and long story short, um, six years after that, we had a child together, moved up to Battleground, Washington, and uh, she just walked in the door one day and said, and I had gotten saved, I was already a youth pastor, I was studying for the ministry in the Assemblies of God, and she walked in the door and said, well, uh, I've talked to an attorney and there's no changing my mind, and she just left and took my daughter, who I fell in love with harder than I even knew I could fall in love with anybody. And so once again, there I was in this rejected, broken place of abandonment, living in an empty house with all of my family in Los Angeles. You wanna talk about a setup of like, that's it, never trusting anybody again for the right, can anybody ever, that was a painful place in my life, obviously, but I knew God. And I was walking with him. I had heard his voice already. So I was driving to work one day and I was just like, God, I don't understand. You know, I I finally opened my heart and the person that I have given my whole self to and who I've loved more than anyone I've ever loved before, she says I'm not worth living with. And, you know, uh, everyone I've known has either died or disappointed me. What's going on, God? And there were four things he said to me in that car. The first one, was basically said, that's true. Everyone in your life has died or will die, and everybody in some way is going to let you down or disappoint you. Doesn't that, doesn't that sound like, oh, thank you, God, words of comfort. That's so delightful. Would that make you happy? <laughs> I'm like, are you kidding me? You know, uh, But you know what? If you're looking to get out of a human relationship, the thing that you can only get out of a relationship with God, who is perfect, permanent love. You're setting yourself up because people cannot love the way God loves. We need to be connected to something greater than just human love. So I thought, okay. And then he said, But he was always going to be there with me, he was never going to leave me, and he was always going to be the same. Has your life ever been in crisis? Have you ever had challenges that were bigger than what you could handle? And then to hear a message that God is going to be stable, God is still there, God is not going to change, he's not going to, it's called the immutability of God, and I didn't know the theological term, but man, the kingdom of heaven is never shaken. Woo, I'm holding on to it. That's a powerful message in a time like that. But then, he's never going to change, and the thing he's never going to change, the third thing he said was, I love you the entire message, all 66 books of the Bible. Condense it down to three words. That's it. I love you. But I was broken. I was abandoned. I was humiliated. Didn't matter. He loved me in that condition. And I don't know about you, but before that day, I figured if I get my act together and I put on my church clothes and I'm nice to everybody, people are going to be nice to me. They're going to like me. I thought I had to perform and here I couldn't perform anymore now I sang Jesus loves me I know God has love but it was more rational but in brokenness when he speaks that message you receive it deep don't you you receive it in a way can't be stolen from you and by the way Psalms thirty-four, eighteen, powerful verse for your friends and your family as they go through crisis in their life God says that he is close to the brokenhearted. He saves those who are crushed in spirit. The enemy had one plan, and that's for me to kill myself and just give up. But God, because of the nature of Jesus, his compassion, you actually in brokenness have an opportunity to experience him in a way you can't when you're feeling good. Why do you think so many bad people become such good disciples? Because they know how much they've been forgiven. It's pretty simple. But the fourth thing that he said to me, it was the most powerful thing for me. He, and it's very short. He basically said, and I believe he's saying it to each and every one of you as well. He said, I love you. And that alone is enough reason for you to love yourself. You want to walk with dignity? You want to walk with self-esteem and value? See yourself through God's eyes. And that alone is enough reason. Is everyone going to like you? Everybody going to understand you? No. Nope. But it doesn't matter. So the, what I took that to mean is from here on out, if I go out and everybody accuses me of things, misunderstands me, is rude and disrespectful to me, I'm going to come home and Lori, I can't believe what a day I've had. You know, it, I, I'm, it, this was really a bad day. But tomorrow morning I get up, brush my teeth, comb my hair, I face my next day because the most important person in my life who already knows me best, loves me most, then you walk in a different kind of way. And before that day, when I loved other people, to be honest, and I didn't understand it, I loved other people because I needed them to love me. There were emotional hooks. If you forgot to say thank you, I wouldn't get mad to your face, but woo! The talk I would have about you later, hmm. But after that day, because I'm already loved, I can just do an act of kindness for Jeff. I can just be nice to Robert. It's really hard to be nice to, you know. I can can love people for their sake and leave that between them and God because I'm already secure. Does that make sense? That's part of hearing that Abba Father deep in your heart. And that's the reconciliation that we have. This ministry of reconciliation, I'm realizing, encompasses the entire fivefold ministry. Why does the fivefold exist? Why is the church about the equipping of the saints? It's to bring everybody into that place of Abba Father in their heart. I'm a beloved son. I'm a beloved daughter. No one can take that away. God is the source of my kindness, my acts. My prophecy is is declaring God's goodness. My preaching of the word, my teaching is to reveal the Father heart of God to people who need to hear it. Apostles want the whole world reconciled back to the Father the way it's supposed to be. Every ministry, every gifting is part of the active ministry Jesus gave us of reconciling the world back. Isn't that just amazing? And by the way, he committed us to that ministry. It's not just for a few. It's for everyone, and it's for every sphere of influence that you have in your life, your children, your co-workers, your neighbors. Guys, it's so much bigger than this building. And learning in a real way, not a phony signboard, you know, repent of your sins, turn or burn kind of evangelism. I I don't, you know, evangelism is wonderful, but if it isn't fundamentally about relationship, then it can honestly be sort of abusive. So I don't know how much to build on that, but... um, I guess that's where the practical thing comes in. For Lori and I, you know we drive for, for Uber and Lyft. And that has become such a vibrant, such an important, such a vital area for us. And it ambushed us, I think. We didn't really even see it coming. But guys, the last month, the last six weeks, this the prayer that everyone's doing, the fasting that we're doing, the move of God that's happening in the new, younger generation, these are amazing things, and they're from God. And we're seeing it in the backseat of our car. People way more hungry, people way more open, and now the filters are coming off. It's like, oh, well, let me tell you how good God's been to me, and praying for people. And and finally, I think it was from Jeff, just, I I know this sounds funny, and I hope you can get a hold of this too, because you can have meaningful, impacting connections with people in your life. That's what that ministry of reconciliation is about and how far you push it, and how much grace there is on it. You have to learn to be sensitive to that. You're not trying to manipulate people into the kingdom. You're talking about the goodness of God in your life that puts a hunger in their heart to experience the same. And so now, um, this week especially, I've had some connections that were just Uh, there were two ladies, I was driving to Hewlett Packard, and I started telling them just about some things in my life and God's goodness, and and they were getting more and more excited, and it was just like, life is amazing, it's such an adventure, and they were laughing, and then I'll just share this one part. My daughter, Jan, went through some very hard times, and uh, as we were coming out the end of that, she gave me the best compliment of my life. She said, Dad, I've noticed something about you. The harder things get, the harder you love. And the two ladies in the backseat of the car seriously the holy spirit just filled the car and these two ladies i think i have got to cry and i heard in their voice and then i started to tear up my wait, won't stop you know i don't want to start crying in front of you but we all felt it and that's that should be the nature of a believer the harder things get the harder you can love because he'll empower you for that and so what i'm starting to do now I'm thinking about follow-up. Okay, maybe once a day, and I have more opportunity, she, Lori has more opportunity than many people, but when I make a real connection, I'm giving out business cards. I'm saying, hey, this is good for one free cup of coffee. I'm, I'd love to get together with you again. I really enjoyed the connection that we had. What's wrong with that, right? So I was hoping they would get here in time, but I have printed up some generic cards that uh, say people matter, and there's coffee beans on the front of it, And there's a blank spot where you write your name and your phone number. And on the back, it says, and it's burlap bag like coffee beans come in. It says, good for one free cup of coffee. So I'm going to give all of you some. And you can decide to take the assignment or not. I'll give everybody, I think I have enough for three at least. And you can write your name on there. And then say, God, help me make a real connection. Help me be a part of reconciling somebody back into a really loving, genuine relationship with you. And invite them out for coffee is that too scary is that going to be a hard thing for anybody here i mean doesn't how did i not see that before that's another area that's aligning it's like we have all these opportunities to connect with people and we're not taking advantage of it and such a simple little tool it's it's amazing to me so we need to move on to getting closer to a close but um, i love verse 19 that uh, he's reconciling the world to himself. So it's more than just us. We individually have to continually grow, be reconciled with the Father, know that Abba-Father relationship, cultivate that, be committed to that. If you get focused on just doing and performing and striving, you're going to lose the devotion and the love that motivated you in the first place. And that's a bigger subject than we can talk about right now. But then in, when you're in that place, if you're really encountering the unconditional love of your father. How can you not want that for somebody else? How can you not passionately want that for your kids? It doesn't make any sense to me anymore. The more reconciled you get, the more of a son and daughter you are, the more you want that for other people. And he's committed us to that word of reconciliation. And now we're all ambassadors. Come on, the empowerment of speaking from a different kingdom. And he's making an appeal through us to be reconciled with God. But this is the conclusion of it. He uh, made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God. And don't miss this part. That we are the righteousness of God. Why? Because we perform so well. We figured it out. We got our act together. I cleaned things up. I got rid of all my sin areas. Woo! I am God's so lucky to have me. I'm a poster boy for Jesus. That's what I was like in ministry before my divorce. But it's where the righteousness of God, in Him. It's through His grace. It's through the connection that we have daily with Him. For it is for Him and through Him and in Him that all these things happen. We can't do it on our own. And that's where we get messed up. I I used to think, okay, God, if I knew how to share the four spiritual laws, if I... twisted my tongue right, if I knew exactly how to, I focused on me being the one doing the saving instead of being prayed up enough to go, God, it's only by your spirit. It's you reconciling the world and you're using me, but it's you doing it. And then all of a sudden you rest in that place and people tell that you're connecting with them for their sake and not your own. Uh, right, that's the the best part. So I'm gonna share one last quick illustration and then give you a chance to respond if you want. Uh, But I'm gonna take a drink of water first, talk amongst yourselves. Okay, I'm back. Um, So part of, I already shared one of the most transformative moments of my life was hearing God's voice and saying that's enough reason for you to love yourself. But then reconciliation keeps growing. It keeps moving into new areas, right? The Lord keeps healing and, and making whole. And so later in my uh, career, I went to Toronto. I was at a conference, and I met a guy there named Robert Levada. And Robert was the senior pastor of a church in Las Vegas, Las Vegas called Extreme Church. How many of you would like to go to an extreme church? I, know, uh, I knew Robin was going to be the one to raise her hand first. She was like, I'm in! <laughs> yeah. But, you know, when I met Robert, I figured out why his church was called extreme. Because Robert, I don't know if you've seen people who spend a lot of time with the Lord, but you can get a little bit Cheryl-like, you know, cheryl <laughs> You can sometimes get a little bit loud. You can get a little bit goofy. And this guy, Robert, he, he drank in the Holy Spirit more than almost anybody I think I've ever met. So when I first met him, I remember he goes, Hi, I'm Robert. <laughs> so that was my greeting to Robert. You know, I looked at him like, what happened to you? You know, you got wrecked somehow. And so uh, the next day, you know, I, I went to bed after meeting Robert, and I had this thought. It's like, God, you know, my dignity, my respectability hasn't really done that much for me. So if you want me to be a fool in some area of my life, my reputation isn't the most important thing. I'm willing to do it. So then I grabbed Robert and I told him what I prayed. And I said, Robert, would you pray for me? I've never seen anyone as foolish as you. And so he was, ha- he was, he was happy to. So then later, We uh, had worship, we had this great empowered time of teaching and the empowered ministry, and I don't know about you, many of you have been slain in the spirit, I think, but there are some people who are oaks of righteousness, it's okay if you don't get slain, it's okay if you don't speak in tongues. Everybody experiences God's presence differently, but please, let me and Cheryl experience it the way we do. And so... uh, You know, we received ministry, and boom, I was on the ground. Somebody else was on the ground. Pretty soon, when when the Holy Spirit's moving, there's this big pile of people that builds up on the ground, you know. And by the way, this was a pastor's conference. And so I'm on the ground with all these other people, and there are these pastors walking around looking at us, kind of judging us. And, you know, honestly, we were enjoying God's presence together. Um, The Hebrew word for glory is uh, uh, kabod. And it means heavy, dense, glorious splendor. So there is actually a weight, a heaviness. You almost feel like you're getting pushed down when the presence of God can come at times. And so uh, these pastors would be walking around kind of looking at us. And then I've seen now more than once somebody get too close to the kabod and didn't know it. And then these guys who don't even know what's happening, they get slain in the spirit. And say, hey, man, I'm really sorry that you got ambushed. But if you don't want it, don't get that close because the presence of God is powerful. Oh, So I'm on my back, I'm laying there, and then Robert comes crawling over to me, and he looks at me, he goes, he gets a serious look on his face, and he goes, Charlie, do you mind if I do something for you that I feel God's put on my heart? I said, I don't care, Robert. He goes, okay. So he leans over me, puts his head right here over my heart, and then he goes... (sighs) He does four lungfuls of breath. I literally feel the heat and the moisture of his breath building up on my shirt. And I've got pastors walking around while this guy's doing this thing on my chest. And I didn't even care. It's like, whatever. I was happy, you know. And then when he, was, when he was done, Robert pulled back and looked at me and he said, Charlie, I believe that was a heart kiss from the father. What do you think about that? And I thought for a moment, I said, Robert, I think I'll take it. He's like, that's it, yeah, that's right, that's what you do. It's like, okay, foolish story, right? Kind of embarrassing, doesn't make me look very good. But the next day was the last day of the conference, and we were in the last session. The worship was great, the teaching was wonderful, but I was sitting there in my chair, and I thought, you know, God, I've loved this, i loved everyone I've met, I've loved all all that we've experienced, but I haven't heard your still small voice yet. I really came because I want you. That's all I said. And then I just heard as clear as a bell. First time in my life I ever heard it. He said, I love you, son. And when he called me son, I broke. It's just like, why are you so good to me, God? I don't understand. And I, I cried it out for a little while. I laid down in the tried to lay out in the chair. Have you ever been so rubbery that you're trying to lay straight in a chair like the one you're sitting in? Well, it's bad because I was crying and my ears started to fill up with tears I've never cried so hard that my ears were full and leaking you know but I I sat there and I just thought you know God I I can't I, I can't worship right now I just can't but every tear is my worship to you God and I just sat there and basked and I love you son I love you dad I love you son I love you dad what is wrong with starting a day like that where you just bask in his love so Bill Johnson makes a really great point. He says that the Holy Spirit resides in all true believers. Is that right? That's just good theology. But the Holy Spirit only seems to rest, manifest himself on some, not on everybody. You actually see the kingdom of heaven like the Holy Spirit resting on that person. What's the difference between people the Holy Spirit can reside in and be saved and the people the Holy Spirit can rest upon, and touch other people with his presence. And Bill's conclusion is the only difference is that people the Spirit can rest on first know there's always more. Is anyone perfect right now? Anyone come into a full state of being glorified in God? Then we have room, don't we? If you become an expert, you're now disqualified for the next revelation God has for you. None of us are experts. We're all like kids. There's always going to be more. You've never, you haven't exhausted his power, his forgiveness, his favor. He always has more that he wants to have resting on your life and blessing others. There's always more, but then you have to say, but God, I know there's more, and I'll take it. He's looking for an agreement between heaven and earth. He's wanting somebody who will just say, I'm willing So when I said to Robert, Robert, I'll take it. I hadn't heard that teaching from Bill Johnson. I believe that in that moment, what I did in the natural, Robert, I think I'll take that heart kiss from the Father, when uh, that opened the door for the Lord to be able to do it in the Spirit. I love you, son. So I've been praying for a couple of weeks about this, and I've done this message once here, I think before something like this. This is new new stuff too, but... uh, I want to give you an opportunity to respond if you want. And so you're responding and coming forward and I'm going to have the ministry team all come forward too. The whole ministry team and if you want to make a a decision that Lord I believe there's more that you want me to know that I'm fully reconciled with my father and living as a beloved son and daughter if you know there's more and you're coming forward is just saying Lord I'm going to take it and we're just going to pray for however God wants to encounter you, however he wants to express himself to you, that message, okay? So Father, I just thank you for today. I thank you that you're reconciling the world outside of this church back, but Lord, you're reconciling your church even to your Father heart, that every one of us know that there's more. We haven't arrived yet. You wanna do an even greater, more profound work in each of our lives And lord our response even this morning is going to be saying that we take it we just allow you to touch our lives heal our hearts make us whole and make us people who accept that ministry of reconciliation of helping others come into that place of healing salvation and wholeness as well and so for the ministry team just as they agree with people in prayer as they even anoint them whatever is appropriate lord I just pray that people will have that encounter with you and they'll know in a deeper way that you're Abba and they're a son or daughter. I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. God bless you also. ministry team, come on forward, just kind of in the front. And whoever wants, I'm not going to try to cajole you. Ho! Oh, but I believe God's going to do just an amazing work. And in fact, I'm going to be one of the first in the ministry line because I... I know there's more, and I want it, and I'll take it. Thank you, God. So feel free to come forward whenever you feel led.